Hello. Thank you to Anchor for letting all of us use this for free. Thank you because even though I even though I don't know specific podcasts that are on here, I know that they they all need all need to make sure they can afford this like I do. Thank you for making it free because it makes it easier to record. Bye.
Hello, this is Daniel Leon's views of wrestling, TV shows, um, sports and movies. I'm going to play some music for this episode, and then I'm going to talk about SmackDown Live from this week. Here comes the raw music from these days. Okay, now that, uh, you hear that, um, I gotta, uh, gotta look at the, uh, DVR to look at this. Um, let's see. First off, uh, you know, as great as that, as great as it was to record that on, to record the music off of the YouTube app on, on the I, my iOS app, I mean, from iOS, or iPad as we call it, it's not the same as having it a part of the episode, so that's why I decided to air both songs to get air both songs one at a time before I start this episode. Okay. Um, I didn't see, um, the latest Raw vs. Nitro episodes. As a matter of fact, I never even saw the, the, these Raw vs. Nitro episodes they're very important because of the simple fact that I never saw these raw raw episodes before. As a matter of fact, I remember the fir the first um what we call The first, the first year of, of Nitro was so exciting that we didn't watch, um, we didn't watch Raw in those days, and this was before the Attitude Era. So, because of that, I can honestly say... It was like watching it for the first time because I never did see these episodes. But, uh, so that's why I get excited about doing them. By the way, 
anybody grew up watching WCW like I did, then this is really going to be exciting because this was what I, I remember in the summer watching this with my best friend all the time, and this was, uh, that was WCW Thunder. That was fun because I used to watch it with him during the summer. So I would go visit, go spend the night on Thursday nights to watch it with him. And he, we used to play the WCW Thunder video game, which was really fun. And the reason it was really fun for me is because they would, they would show a, uh, a pause or a still shot from Tony Schiavone, Mike Tenay, and Bobby Heenan, or whoever the third man was, from a TV, from a TV episode on Thunder, and that would be the picture they set the loading screen on, so it was really fun. <clears throat> so, the, my first, my feeling of the first segment of SmackDown, gold, pure gold, because it was something that we would expect um, somebody like Shane McMahon to say. He wasn't fussed about being asked. He was fussed. He was fussing more about how can you help me instead of how can I help you or what, what What do you need for me to do? And he said ever since he's been a kid that's all people ever asked him for. And that's including going into um, but ever since he was a kid that's going into the WWF, knowing that, <clears throat> I'm not saying it's true or not, but the purpose, but the, but the beauty part of this promo is that, is that his father, Vince, is so demanding as a boss that you could believe that people would go to Shane McMahon and ask for his help. That's what makes it perfect. And then he, when he said that, then when he said that he's gonna, he's making a match between himself and, and The Miz at WrestleMania, what really made it even more perfect was that he was rubbing it in the, he was rubbing it in Miz's face that he's his boss, so he has to do what he tells him to do. And what I loved was him using The Miz's catchphrase against him. He said, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> um, this is too far ahead in the discussion to talk about, so I'm gonna talk about Aleister Black and Ricochet being a tag team. I, when I would watch NXT TakeOver and read about the shows online, they never once teamed up on screen or even showed them talking together. So ever since they brought them down here, not only are they a great tag team, but you can see they are friends, and that's and uh, that's what I love about it. And I know I said that before, but just wanted to reiterate how important, how great that is to see because too often. It can look like it's fake. But no, when you see how how they um, act with each other after the match is over, just like, reminds me of last year when Bobby Roode teamed with The New Day, 
and he hugged uh, Xavier Woods. Well, you have you followed TNA up until last year, like I did, then you would know that the reason he hugged him is because they're old friends going back to TNA Wrestling. So Xavier Woods used to be Consequences Creed in Impact Wrestling when it was total nonstop action. And he was partners with Black Machismo Jay Lethal. So it's the same principle. So have them teaming with Hardys to go against a proven team like um, the Bar and Cesaro and Shinsuke and uh, Nakamura and Rusev. Really, even really more even impre- even more impressive because the tenure that the Hardys have over the over all these teams combined. Uh, during Fastlane, tag the triple. Threat Raw Tag Team Title match. My dad was complaining because he thought the revival were not that good. And I told dad how experts, or at least I think it's experts, have voted um, the. not voted, but have compared the revival to the Brainbusters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So, so, uh, that really surprised Dad, and really, I guess because not seeing them a lot, but seeing Cesaro and Sheamus, um, for the past two years, I guess that's why he thought they were not that good. But really, when you think about it, they, they bring an old school style, and then you're used to the new style, it's hard to see where they're good. I had seen them in NXT. They're the reason I used to watch NXT on Wednesday nights. Because I love tag team wrestling. And I love the style they brought. The old school style where it's... It's uh, traditional. It's mad based. I pull you into my corner. Keep you in my corner. And I cut the ring in half style theme. Whereas in today, good or Babyface or villain today, you see more of the uh, sporadic style where it's in and out. It's almost like not lucha libre, but it's very quick and it's very almost like breaking the rules almost. So when you see that at a high at a high level, it's very easy to overlook how good team like the revival are. Or I know the revival's not in this match, so don't mean to digress. I just thought I'd share my opinions on something. So, my opinions on the bar. Great tag team. They were. Th- it looked like they were thrown in at the last second. If I if they were on Raw, I would suggest having. Uh, not suggest, but what I think of when I see Seamus, I think about how he's real life best friends or good friends, with or used to be good friends with uh, Drew McIntyre. So that's somebody I'd like to see being a tag team, him being a tag team match with because of their friendship in real life. See if there's any chemistry or not as a team.
just out of curiosity. So, what I think of this first match, I liked it. Considering that there's only one, t there's only one team that has not shown any chemistry, and that's Nakamura and Rusev. I mean, honestly, I don't. I think without Lana, I don't think Nakamura and Rusev would even have come as close as they've come to winning or have won. To be honest with you, I don't think they would have won the one or two matches they've won if it wasn't for Lana. So. So I, that's why, that's why I think that uh, my answer to the question would be, I I like the tag team match, but I don't like Nakamura and Shinsuke, and I don't like Nakamura and Rusev as a team, because they they look too mixed matched and they they don't complement each other well. So it almost looks like they're doing it just to, to have a job, and even though I can understand that. It's just as a fan doesn't look right to me. I don't know why. So to continue, the I'm I actually, by the way the match was going, I'm glad to see that the uh, the new day came in and caused a distract caused a disqualification because I don't know who would have won the match be honest with you so I've been so I would give it four stars because of the quality of the of the work in the ring so that's what I, I would call it four stars because that great work rate the promo that Randy Orton cut against AJ Styles I tweeted this AJ Styles I tweeted this for Randy Orton that Everything, actually, one thing he spoke about doing, the WWE World Heavyweight title, which was the WCW title before they bought him out. I had said, I, I tweeted this to Randy Orton after saying it to the TV set that him winning the heavyweight title was not more than somebody like Styles could think of because Styles won the NWA heavyweight title three times, I think, before he even won the heavyweight title. Or at least two times. So the way I see it, once again, an opinion as a fan, that title, when you look at the history of the of that title, and the fact that they still have it, and the fact that they're putting a focus back on it in the Indies, shows that that is more prestigious than the WWE title. Like the WWE, um, love the Intercontinental title, and it's great to see it on Raw and SmackDown Live, from my, my, from my point of view. But... That NWA title, as far as prestige go, prestige goes, that's got the WWE title beaten by miles, years ahead of that title. So, that's how I feel about that promo. However, what he said about about um 
80,000 years on the Andes? Well, yeah, he had a lot of years on the Andes, but what he's forgetting is that whereas he whereas he had help, Styles came Styles had such natural ability that even when he got help, you couldn't notice it. Whereas Orton, you actually could notice the help he needed. Heck, when he went get Heck, when he was a seasoned veteran going against Ted DiBiase Jr., he looked like he needed help from Ted Jr. As far as the as far as how to lead a match or how to carry a match through. So it shows how even though he couldn't have made it on the Indies in Styles' words, showed that the Indies actually helps you. So I would not brag about not about making it to the WWE and not the Indies. Especially when it's because of who your father is that you get in there. Now yeah, that's the that's what everybody's got to that's what everybody uses against you, but when you have the attitude that Randy Orton has, it looks bad at the same time. Roman Reigns with Roman Reigns' father got him into the WWE, but he had a different attitude about it. He's not looking... He doesn't so much look down on doing that. He just felt like he could learn more from being in the big time. So, you look at it in that way, it's a very different mindset. Anyway, I'm glad... I'm glad they didn't waste time and Styles said at the end of the... At the end of it, he challenged him to a match at WrestleMania, which they just made it clear recently... According to one of the news sites, or dirt sheets as people like to call them, they, they seem to have made it official. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. When you think about it, Randy Orton's first WrestleMania came from just being in Evolution, so I'm back, just digressing a little bit here, just to try to just to try to um show kind of show why AJ Styles made the comment he made. He felt he he made a joke about how many uh babysitters Randy Orton has had in the WWE and it's just and it's not just having a babysitter. Talking about how he needed them. If it wasn't for being in evolution he probably never would have been Intercontinental Champion, and he probably never would have been able to go to the 20th anniversary as a champion. 20th anniversary of WrestleMania, excuse me. Because when they put together Evolution, he was just starting, and he really didn't have direction. Neither did Batista. So, so it was more like two-fourths helping the other two more than anything, because that... That's what Ric Flair brought to the group more than anything. A lot of people um, wanted to fuss about Ric Flair's age. But look at the good it did. That That's what helped make Randy Orton and Dave Bautista superstars. So, you know, you can't... Don't argue with success or don't argue with experience. That's how I look at it. Okay. Next, they talk about Parliament going into the Hall of Fame and 
They show everybody from, uh, everybody on Twitter congratulating them, like Teddy Long, Diamond Dallas Page, Trish Stratus. Mark Henry, several others. Last time they put a tag team like this in the Hall of Fame, they put the they put the uh, Hall of Famer with they put their manager in there with them. I don't think they're gonna do that this time, but uh, but I sure hope they, I sure hope they mention their manager in there a lot because Booker T said himself when he was inducted Sensational Sherry was what legitimized them as a tag team. That's how I feel about that. What do I feel about um Mandy Rose being in the title picture for the SmackDown Women's Championship. One word comes to my mind, stagnant. Or another word that comes to my mind is small. What I mean by that is they don't have, they do not have enough women on the roster from where I can see outside of Naomi or Nikki, Nikki Cross, I believe. You know, right now, they have... There are three and four women that... Third and fourth women that I could think of or, or a tag team. So... So what I can think of, Mandy Rose being in the title picture, I think that it shows how stagnant it is. But I believe they were as jam-packed with women as they were before the before having two title belts or how they were in the uh two in the first brand split I don't believe Mandy Rose would be in the title picture because she would have to prove herself. She's proving herself while being in the title picture and I don't think that looks good. Another thing that doesn't look good is that when she goes out there um, I said this to mom the other, the other night. I want to use somebody, Ric Flair, as an, I want to use Ric Flair as an example again. Ric Flair, by his own admission, was never able to think of, um, defensive moves. Um, because that's just not his suit. The strong suit is breaking the rules in his character. Well, um, by doing that, um, a lot of people do not give him the credit he deserves because they focus more on his entering ability than the other aspects of the ring. The fact that he can break a rule without needing somebody, without needing somebody to distract his opponents, to me, that takes more ability than anything. To have to take an opening instead of somebody giving it to you, it's harder to think of doing. The fact that he was able to do that for so many years is why I do believe he's often, uh, that's why I do believe that 
if people say he's not that good, that's why I think people say that, because he does not, um, because you can see just from Mandy Rose, just the writing from Mandy Rose and the fact that she looked like she didn't know how to handle Asuka, by the way, by the way, my when my mom sees the name, she says Asuka, just like I do, so... That made me feel better. Because I used to say Asuka until I heard it on TV. Anyway. Um, so, because of those little elements, not only how to do something and when to do a certain move, and not only being able to do something without somebody's help, because despite all the times that Arn and Tully, or Arn and Chris Benoit, or Brian Pillman, or whoever it was that helped him, despite all those times where he had help, that he would always be able to break rules on his own. So even though that's not something to brag about, at least he did it on his own. And I think, because you can tell that there's a lot of times it looks like uh, characters or people like Amanda Rose or just some people out there they don't look like they know what to do unless somebody is helping them. So that's why I don't think that those are the types of people that should be in a title picture. Especially this close to the biggest show of the year. So that's how I feel. On the plus side we do have we do have the quote a show having Women's title matches with three deserving women. So, I feel better about that. I did not hear the promo Becky Lynch cut on Charlotte Flair. But, I did agree with Charlotte Flair in the sense that, whereas Becky Lynch has been causing a, quote, riot, Charlotte has been, has been doing all the work in the ring. So, I do agree with that. However, being handed the title match instead of winning the right to go was the argument that Becky Lynch had, and that's all she needed to use. So I think it's a perfect, it's a perfect story, and the only thing, only thing now to see is, okay, since since it's gonna be, um. Triple Threat Women's Match for Raw and a and a possibly a Triple Threat Match on SmackDown for the Women's Titles. It'll be interesting to see on Raw where does Charlotte go or Becky Lynch. That's why having Triple Threat matches, even though elimination matches are really what I love to see, it would really be, in my opinion, be, um, it is better to have, as far as business goes, it's better business to have one fall to a finish in those matches, because you don't, because you don't know who's gonna win. You don't know if somebody's going to win the champion, or if somebody's gonna pin a challenger. So that's why I so 
that's why I don't believe... No, that's why I believe that doing One Fall to Finish is smarter business. Because, especially since it seems to be getting harder to keep things from hitting the internet. So, because people believe what they read on the internet, I believe myself that doing matches like this is easy because... Not easy, but better, because it it can help remove um, uncertainty of what fans want to believe in. If you put one on, if you put one on one, they automatically know who's gonna win. If you do triple threat, it removes. The um the knowledge of who's gonna walk out of there as champion. So that's why I think it's better business this way. The next match was uh, Samoa Joe teaming with Andrade Cien Almas go against former champion Ron Killings and or R Truth and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio managed. Uh. In Samoa Joe and then ran right out of there. Let's see. I think our truth was already out of there, so all they have to do is just roll him out. Rolls up Joe one, looks like two, three. We had to roll out the ring. I think roll. I think our truth rolled out the ring. And he actually, actually was so mad that he, I think, they didn't show this, but he may have assaulted his own tag team partner. Great match. What it looks like they may build to is a, is a title match between Mysterio and Joe or, and, or something to that effect. What I'm waiting for is for them to announce that women's uh, title match. No, not women's title match. That women's um, battle royal at a fast lane. A fast lane. I'm sorry, getting names wrong. I'm I'm forgetting some things. Um, some other thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about this tonight, uh, uh, this podcast is on, I think, nine different, um,
nine different stations, as we like to call it. And, uh, as I said on the, in one commercial for this, thank you for making this, um, free. And the reason, um, I say free, the reason I say thank you for that is because of how it's so, um, it can be very hard to, uh, to know... By the way, thank y'all. Raw vs. Nitro gets 10 to 12, uh, I'm trying to know how you say this, either listens or downloads, so thank you for that. So to my top episodes of Raw vs. Nitro, um, the latest Nitro episodes have 10 to 12 episodes, 10 to 12 at least lessons to it, so thank you for that. Thank you to the eight people that have listened to my Back to the Future episode, thank you for that. Not only thank you for listening, but thank you for enduring the beginning parts where I'm too low to hear, thank you for that. Thank you to people who listen to me on Anchor because I'm at 21% of listens on on Anchor and 55% on the other devices. So thank you for that. Not other devices, but the other platforms, excuse me. Okay. I used to use Spreaker, and, um, I'm still signed into that, but, uh, but it's, but it's, uh, it's free, and unlike Anchor, I can't record long if it's free, but I just thought I'd, uh, share with you that, um, in case you wanted to start, start a podcast yourself, no. I know Anchor is free, but, um, Spreaker is not a bad, not a bad place to go either, as a matter of fact, when you go to Spreaker, you can, uh, you can actually look at your micro, you can actually set your microphone volume along with the volume, with the rest of the volume for how you sound and everything. So I would suggest, that's another reason I would suggest going on here. Uh, WWE SmackDown. The next match, the main event was Mustafa Ali and Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. Well, naturally, the whole episode revolved around the biggest um, advertisement for this episode was Kofi Kingston having a WrestleMania opportunity um, proposition by Vince McMahon. So when you look at, so when they build up shows like this, 
You can't help but watch it even if you don't like the people who are wrestling. You can't help but watch it just just to see just to hear what Vince McMahon has to say. And by the way, in case other wondering if the people who have seen the who saw these shows from beginning to end this week, they are changing direction in everybody's character to be more reality based and I'm not going to speak for them because I'm just a fan. What do I know? But taking it from Eric Bischoff's um, commentary of why he made NWO reality-based, and along with the other aspects of Nitro, it brings better ratings, and that's what they are struggling for. I may not know how they can how this is going to help them or what they can do to make it better. But it looks like they could get better ratings because of this. Just thought I'd share that. By the way, what's interesting about this, just like Alistair Black and Ricochet um, looking like they have great chemistry and not being attacked in very long. Um, Fiona be honest with you, if it's as their chemistry is as great as they're as they are pushing them as having, it might be like the brain busters. They might have they might just look at each other and know what to expect from the other. So that might be why they're go going as far as they're get going since they got in the WWE. Huh. Just thought I'd say that because recently I think in reality Revival feels like they, they've just been handed things, whereas the Revival had to scratch and literally scratch and claw to get to the tag team titles. My father said it's because they, um, sorry, my father said not to mention him, but I just thought I'd share some real stories in case y'all find it interesting. <clears throat> But anyway, I don't think that the complaining or anything is where they got where they were at. I think it was was how often they beat them to the fact point that they were giving another shot and they they did everything at least uh Dash and Scott did everything they could to keep from losing and keep the other legal man out of the ring, and that's how they won the map, the titles. And I actually thought, I actually thought, the was about time feeling. So, I know that not everybody agrees because my father doesn't agree with that, but that's how I feel about it. Just to share an opinion of um, of that because I was thinking about it. Okay. But anyway, getting back to the point about having chemistry, it looked like Ali and Kevin Owens, who were just opponents at Fastlane, it looked like they had chemistry in the tag match, and that was very amazing to see. But then again, a lot of times, if you have respect, you'll just follow what they say because of the position they're in. So that could play a lot into it as far as the characters go. What do I think? I actually... I really don't... 
I really don't know what to think. I think that, uh, the, uh, the controversy of replacing, uh, Kofi Kingston with Kevin Owens, I think that has overshadowed the entire title match situation at Fastlane. So, what I'm thinking is, is, uh, I thought that it was pretty... I thought it was actually predictable that they wanted their tag team match to keep to keep the two of them stronger heading into this uh into the next episode. So when Vince said to to Kofi you have to beat all of these people that are coming out next week to get to WrestleMania, I I understood why it was simple. They will, that's how... That's what got Kofi King... This big buzz around Kofi Kingston was... Beating all those people... Before Elimination... Before Elimination Chamber. So, what... By the way... I'm just going to mention something Kofi Kingston said. It got me to thinking... I wonder if they... I wonder if, how many people still do this in real life. Kofi Kingston mentioned all the things he was not able to do because of doing things he's asked of for the company and not wanting anything outside of, in return, outside of just an opportunity. Um, outside, he, he mentioned how it, his son had lost his his baby tooth and this may have been his first tooth I don't know that he lost and he said he said I couldn't see the joy the look on his face and he saw what he got from uh, the tooth fairy that got me to thinking how many people let their kids believe in that still my parents never let me my parents never let me believe any of that stuff. Like for Easter, they told me Easter is not about Easter bunnies. It's not even about Easter. Easter is really Passover. Passover is really about how as um, as controversial as this has be as this has become. They told me that Easter Easter is really about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Jesus um, rising again on the third day. So the hearing his statement to Vince about that has made me wonder how many people really teach their kids to believe in the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus. Um... So this makes me wonder things like that. Because me, I was so surprised. I never stopped to think about it. About belief in, uh, in things like that. I was so surprised I never thought, stopped to think about it. So that's my question. How many people do that? Hmm. Anyway. 
Some of the people he has to beat next week are Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, both Cesaro and Sheamus. And of course, um, Eric Rowan. So because the bar are really a tag team, that could be a simple two-on-one affair. What I like, though, is how the, is how the New Day threw all of those guys out of the ring and stood tall. I like, you know, building characters up like that. Because it, you don't see that a lot anymore. Or not as much, if I'm being honest. I don't really know how often you see it. Okay. Instead of doing my episode of, um... I'm going to do my episode about Raw versus Nitro. I'm going to talk about Looney Tunes. Okay, so I got the music from that sketch, as I like to call it. Just talk about it. Um, Bell Hoppy. Don't know really what that's about, but I'll still look at it and talk about it. It's about Sylvester. I th- yeah. Okay. Doesn't look like Sylvester the cat, but one of the cats that he knows is looking for uh, a cat. And it was a, uh, um, or a mouse. And it was a baby kangaroo, and he thought it was a mouse. So, he started having a meeting. Or at least it looked like a meeting. He was looking for somebody to get catch the, um, kangaroo. And so, yeah, it's the last of the cat to do it. So he ended up having to go to them and say say that he couldn't do it, but in this case he was standing in front of a, a sign or something, almost like a judge, talking to all the other cats, and the other cats were looking for mice themselves, and they were all beaten up, so he hit himself over the head with a gavel to give himself a nod on the head. And I gotta be honest, anytime I see that, I wanna laugh my head off. I think it's so hilarious. Uh, there was a book that I read as a kid called Axel and Gretel, and they believe they took the inspiration from that book and they used it for Bugs Bunny. And naturally, Bugs Bunny had to thwart everything she did. And at the end, Bugs Bunny fell in love with a female rabbit. Let's see that. He even met a prince. 
think he, I think he may have fallen or jumped through a, jumped, he went in through the door and the only way to get away from the witch was to jump into a magic powder uh, entrance where he broke it and he threw what was in it into the uh, the witch and the witch turned into a female rabbit and he fell in love with her. So I think that's funny. Turning a witch into a rabbit. <laughs> so I really think it's funny, I'm being honest here. Big House Bunny is the next one. I think, yeah, this is the Elmer Fudd, uh, no, Yosemite Sam, and I think Yosemite Sam was a night guard, so they arrested Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny again was tricked him, and now he became a, a prisoner. He tried everything to escape, he kept on going in there. And Bugs Bunny even turned himself into a warden. Think by yeah, at the end of it he got uh was he he got Yosemite Sam to be uh, a prisoner and I think he just decided to be a prisoner just to get away from him because he was driving him crazy. Then he joined then Bugs Bunny joined a bear in the circus and he tried the bear tried to outdo him and he did outdid the bear to the point point that I'd have to look at it again. I think they tore yeah, they tore the the tin that was a part of the that was a part of the circus. And I think the the bear, I think his name was Bruno. Bruno the Magnificent he jumped off the top of whatever he was standing on just to land on the floor and he hit a I think a solid cement. You actually went, you didn't go through it, but it, uh, but it put his head and his body, head, neck, and stomach down to where his knees were. That was hilarious in itself. It was enough to where he had to leave the, the circus without realizing it. Then it was a seesawed him right into the, uh, Right into where somebody had thrown them around with their feet onto a trampoline-looking place. And he was thrown across on a bike. Almost like a, a loop-de-loop ramp. Yeah. Into a cannon and Bugs Bunny pulled the cannon and he went straight through the tent. To end the... Uh, the the hand that sketch like I said some hilarious stuff. And the next one is a Sylvester, uh, Tweety cartoon. At this time, he got more. He got closer to eating Tweety than before. 
because he put him in a bread and Tweety bit him. They went, he went under hats and everything and a mannequin. They used a mannequin to try to help, try to defeat Sylvester. Went into a little house. Got a paint can filled with yellow to. How do you say that? Oh, yeah, to trick um, Sylvester. Sylvester put his one, one of his uh, finger, really not part of his paws, what I could say, into the yellow paint where it looked like it was Tweety and he shot himself. First in the finger, then in the butt. So, yeah, hilarious thing. Then he was blown up by, by his own dynamite. <laughs> Where he had to run out of there and say, forget about it. <laughs> and I think finally it's when he was a Birds Anonymous group. He tried and tried to stay away from birds, only to find out the head guy couldn't, uh, couldn't stop from going after Tweety himself. It was some hilarious stuff, I tell you. They actually started fighting over Tweety. That's what made it hilarious. <laughs> okay. I'm probably going to have to stop talking about, um, the... Because about Looney Tunes, because I don't know how to say things differently. So, that's my feeling on this episode of Looney Tunes. Thank you, and goodbye. We'll be doing um, my next Raw vs. Nitro tomorrow, or close to, or I'll be uploading it for tomorrow. Please tune in tomorrow. Thank you, and goodbye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.